And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Miss Kelsey Paul Stubbs. Kelsey, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. So how was your previous week? Any takeaways from it? Um, I've actually been on vacation this week. So I've been mostly... Um, Honestly, catching up on errands pretty much <laughs> in the house, cleaning, yeah. <laughs> doing normal human things that residents don't typically do. I just wanted to just give you a little bit of overview. So this is season two of Don't Be Coy. And it, during this season, we're talking about moments of transformation. And so what I'll be doing is asking you just a series of questions. They're going to go over just different ways that we can approach how you've gone through your past, present, and future, and just how you've kind of navigated them. So if you're ready, we can just go ahead and dive into okay. it. All right. So what's your favorite song to start your day or your theme song? My favorite song is to start my day. So I actually, oddly enough, I usually start my day with Disney songs. <laughs> yeah. Playlists like super 90s reminiscent childhood type stuff um but actually recently my favorite has been like the whole moana soundtrack mm. um i usually started started off with i am moana just kind of a general uplifting song you know as i head into the hospital it kind of helps me with feelings of you know like self-doubt and things like that kind of gets you amped up reminds you of who you are type thing yeah no that's really interesting so like is there specific approaches or specific movies that like you move from from week to week? Or is it like, do you have like a specific approach on what movie you like? Is it based on like what you've watched recently or something like that? No, not really. Because um, I actually haven't watched a lot of these movies recently. It's really based on just kind of what my favorite ones were and what my favorite soundtracks were. Mm. Um, so it's got a lot of Mulan on there. It has... Um, Hercules is big, you know, because the muses were were pretty dope in all their singing and things. Got some Lion King, some Tarzan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just all, all of the above. And most of Disney songs are pretty uplifting, except, you know, when you got like your villain song or whatever. But even sometimes those are a vibe. So yeah. they're all on there. I'm just really curious around like what made you choose that specific niche because I know that I can appreciate like the various different songs when I'm watching the movie but I've never thought to actually like listen to them to kind of start my day that's a good question and it's, it's funny because like I actually don't really like like musicals and things like that so I never listen to like soundtrack music aside from mm. Disney but I think I think pretty much since I have been able to download music, I have had Disney songs on there. I think that a lot of what I deal with like emotionally on a day to day are things that, especially like in the hospital, you know, things that kind of can bring your mood down a little bit. And so these are, this is one of those things that consistently it's, you know, it's upbeat music. It's usually happy. It's usually, there's usually a good ending with Disney. You know, so all of the songs are kind of leading you to that good ending. Um, and it just reminds anything that reminds me of childhood, I think, brings me back to an emotional place where um, I was kind of more fearless and um, 
willing to just kind of go out there and and try things and and just be myself. And even though the songs necessarily don't do that for me, I think kind of just putting myself back in a mind state of when I was younger um, helps get me where I need to be to get what I need to get done done. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I kind of want to touch on something that you said towards the end there, specifically around mm-hmm. like how you were saying um, your childhood and it brings you to this emotional state where you were not necessarily fearless, but like, I'm going to say for lack of a better term, adventurous. I can't remember the exact term that you specifically used, but I'm curious around like how you and reflecting back on like your childhood in this adventurous time helps you in navigating the adventures that you take on today. Yeah. So I'm definitely, definitely not fearless, but I think that, I think that working in medicine, um, can put you in a state where you're like particularly fearful, Mm. you know, I think especially in residency, like I'm still, there's still plenty of things that I'm learning, even though I'm, I'm pretty capable of, you know, a lot of the things that need to get done on a day-to-day basis in the hospital. I'm, you know, I'm in my third out of four years. So now I'm, I'm a senior resident. So I'm kind of looking over all of these um, junior residents and trying to make sure that things go accordingly. But I think that a lot of times something that medicine tries to break out of you is the acknowledgement that patients are human beings. Mm. Um, And I think that it tries, I think medicine and just kind of med school and residency tries to block all of that so that you're able to act as needed. Um, But I think that it's important to recognize that these are all human beings. These are human beings' lives who are in your hands. These are people who are trusting you to make the right decisions for them and to bring about the best outcomes for that. And I think when you really sit and ponder on it, it can actually be kind of overwhelming. and so for me, I think it was a good word that you used was adventurous. Um, not necessarily approaching things with no fear per se, but being able to, you know, really put yourself out there and, um, you know, just kind of give it what you got. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think that that's really important when you're <laughs> afraid of hurting someone. I'm curious around if you can reflect back to like your first and your second years and like if you can reflect back on what those years were like, can you describe how some of the spaces of adversity, if you will, um, came into your life and how certain songs may resonate with um, that kind of adventurous nature that you had to have? Yeah, so... It's my whole path as far as residency goes has been pretty interesting because I have switched programs. Mm. So my first two years were um, at a program in Poughkeepsie um, and it was a new program. So I actually didn't have any senior residents, which is very just different from the structure of a typical residency program. So a lot of the responsibilities that I have now as a senior resident were still my responsibilities in my first and second year because there was nobody else. Mm. Um, and so my first my first year of residency was particularly um, 
frightening mm. just because I was I was just really out here doing stuff that like fourth year residents were doing. I, I remember my the very first night of residency, I was on night float um, and a woman just like had a precipitous delivery. So, you know, she delivered very fast, much faster than is expected. Um, and at the time, my attending physician I didn't know exactly where he was. I think he ended up like, you know, we talked afterwards, he went to go use the bathroom or something. Um, typically in a regular pro, you know, program that wouldn't matter as much because you would have a third, a senior resident with you, a third or fourth year resident available um, to be kind of really watching over you. And then you kind of just need an attending physician for indirect supervision. Um, but I couldn't find this guy. And we're calling and yeah, don't know where dude is. And so it's my very first day of residency and I delivered that baby by myself. Oh, wow. Um, and he comes into the room and I'm just standing there just sweating and shaking with a baby in my hands. And I was like, so this happened. Um, <laughs> please help. <laughs> and he he just broke out laughing. Turns out, I mean, I did it right. You know, and it's, it's like you, you get moments of reassurance there. Um, but yeah, just kind of like, you know, in your standard Disney movie, there is always at the very beginning someone who's completely doubting themselves and is like this little guppy who doesn't know what's going on. Um, and then you kind of you kind of get it together. And so I think that I'm kind of in that spot where I'm getting it together. But just the magnitude of what I do on a day to day basis um, makes me second guess some things. But I think that that's important. I think that that's that's something that needs to be there because when you're not second guessing, you you act recklessly with people's lives. Mm, yeah, I think that that's a a principle that we all can like affirm to. You know, when you step into like a, a new role or you're doing something, or step into a new chapter or anything of that nature, it's always kind of weird, right? Just for example, you and your residency, like you literally just gone through four years of school. You know, this is the beginning of a brand new chapter. The first day you're there and then it's like oh snap this is real but it's those yeah. <laughs> exactly and it's those real moments that kind of um, humble you but also encourage you at the same time it's so weird how you know when you step into a new chapter it's you got exactly what you asked for but you can't believe that you got what you asked for if that makes any sense a hundred percent yeah <laughs> Just to kind of transition to the the next question, you've built this kind of picture that um, makes a lot of sense to me as far as with the the Disney songs and like where you're at in this kind of chapter of your life. I'm curious around like what's a, a most common dish that you cook now? So I rarely cook the same thing. Um, <laughs> It's, it's something about, you know, just my palate. I don't like eating the same thing back to back. Um, also don't like eating out consistently, which means that I have to do a lot of cooking. Um, yeah. On any given week, I will meal prep two to three different meals just so that I don't have to eat the same thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I do I do a lot of cooking. I don't really have a particular dish that I make frequently, um, but I can say that my favorite cuisines are typically within like the Asian diaspora. Um, so recently I made some, 
I've been working on making like my own broths. So I've been trying to make ramen, mm. um, like ramen. Yeah. Um, so I've been working on trying to make those particular broths and it's actually a bit more, uh, labor intensive than I originally thought. Um, so I've been working on that. So I've been eating a lot of soups essentially lately. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So like, I'm, I'm curious around like what got you started around cooking a lot of these various different dishes, uh, with you having such a busy life, like, you know, for the past three years, you've been in residency before then you were in med school. So like the fact that you can take the time to not only cook your own dishes, which is, you know, has its own labor intenses itself, but have a whole range of like different culinary cuisines that you can pull and explore. Yeah. So it's funny. My my med school personal statement was actually me comparing medicine to uh, cooking. Um, (laughs) um, yeah, so it it is difficult. Um, it does consume a lot of my free time, which is minimal. Um, but it's honestly what I do for fun. So it's kind of, it kind of kills two birds with one stone. You know, I come home and this is how I relax. It's how I entertain myself. And it's also how I don't uh, starve and die. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was before before medical school, I used I was a cooking instructor uh, for middle school students. Um, and then just kind of throughout life, I haven't been to culinary school. Um, but whenever I travel, I try and take a cooking class wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I take tons of cooking classes in the city on my free time Um Started off when I was younger with baking and then I moved into um, cooking and learning from my mom and my grandma and just playing around with different recipes and cookbooks. So it's it's been kind of a thing for me for for a long time. Um, but people do question how I have time to do this a lot. I was kind of known in med school and in my first residency for like being that person. They were like, okay, so what does Kelsey have in her lunchbox today? Like people are pulling out PB and J's and I have like a, a lobster that I fried at home with risotto. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's just, you gotta have some kinds of pleasure throughout the day. And for me, that's probably going to come from my meal. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that because it's like, you're absolutely right. Like we all have to have some type of pleasure in the day. And I I love how cooking, it's something that's weaved into your essence around like not only just starting with baking, your grandma, your mom, it helps you literally get through just like uh, med school and like now residency because you have to survive and stuff. But it's also that kind of balance in the sense of taking care of yourself and making sure that you are your own priority. I'm curious around like how you make that time for that more so around Mm -hmm. like how you make that time for yourself and like how you've carved out that time. Yeah. So I am very, very stingy with my time. Mm -hmm. Um, of of all the things that I'm stingy with, my time is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Um, just because I know that it's it's so incredibly limited, and there's so many things that I need to get done for myself in that time. Um, 
And so I've really since med school, it really started in med school. Um, I've been also very regimented with my time. Mm. So in med school, I started off, I had like a planner. My planner was color coded, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm going to finish this at this time. And the, the time frame, the time limits that I put on things were strict, you know, like I would study and, but at 8 PM, it was an automatic shutdown. I don't care what else I needed to to review if I hadn't gotten through, you know, my full deck of flashcards, whatever, it was stopping at 8 p.m. And I had to kind of work on that for myself to be able to carve out any time. And so then kind of as I progressed in in my career, I didn't really need the color coded planner anymore. I kind of just got it in my mind. Um, so you know, I I know that on a typical day, um, I'm, I'm currently on labor and delivery. Um, on a typical day, I will get to work at this time. I will finish um, at about 6 p.m. or so, um, just because my program has short days and very long night shifts. So um, I usually finish at around 6 p.m. I'm usually home by 6.30. I know that I have from 6.30 till I usually go to bed at around 9.30, 10 o'clock to do what I need to do. Um, and so, you know, that gives me three and a half hours to, to, to meal prep. And if I had chopped up things the day before, which typically I do when I get produce, you know, I chop it up and I put it in the freezer so that when I need to cook, I can just break off a chunk and I've got what I need. So everything's kind of prepared for me and I just got to toss it in the pot, you know, and while things are simmering, like I'll go shower and it, it ends up just just working out. And so then as far as other people, like, you know, family and friends, et cetera, and just general relationships, they typically work themselves into that time with me. You know, I'll come cook, you chill out, eat, and we'll have drinks. And 10 p.m. comes, just know I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really like that. I'm curious around, like, mm -hmm. what was that kind of shift um, before you were in med school, when you got into it beyond, because that's where it seems like um, a very key moment came into your life. The was so incredibly stark. Um, before med school, so after college, I, I took two years off where I was kind of just living my life. Um, yeah. You know, I was working and um, the jobs that I was doing, you know, I didn't necessarily have to be up at a specific time because I usually, my job started in the afternoon. So I was really just out here just living my very best life. And so I was like the complete opposite as far as my time um, goes as, as compared to how I am now. And so then I got to med school having been, you know, somebody who was consistently getting eight to nine hours of sleep. And, you know, I was well hydrated because I was just out here living and all of this other stuff. And I get to med school and just all hell breaks loose. Mm. Um, and I was just so incredibly overwhelmed and, you know, trying to trying to do well with all of this information. You know, they say med school, the first year or two is like drinking water out of a fire hose is I think the common um, the common comparison that's made. I yeah. think they say that the amount of information that you learn is the equivalent to learning like three or four lang new languages or something in one year. Something ridiculous. Don't quote me on that one. But <laughs> it's just it's an incredible, 
incredible amount of information. It's it's crazy how much they throw at you. Like I was reading whole textbooks in like two days and that was just normal. And so I just could not function. And I find my I found myself so incredibly depressed because there was no time for myself. I was just trying to juggle all of this learning. And then there's, you know, the times when you're someone who's who's accustomed to being high achieving and you're no longer achieving the way you expected yourself to where you start to, you know, feel like, well, is it me or, you know, what's wrong with me now and things like that. And I started I started using my success and like my grades and things like that as a as like a barometer for who I was, mm-hmm. um, which made me succeed even less. And then I got to a point where I was just like, listen, like, I can't, I'm not going to do this. You know what I mean? Like I, I had to save myself. And so I was like, it is what it is, boy. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm a graduate regardless of what these grades look like. And, um, I, I have to do me. I can't help people if I myself am drowning. Um, and so I, I made that adjustment for myself and I actually started doing better learning more efficiently just everything started working and falling into place. Yeah, no, I think that that's really interesting. And like, it makes a lot of sense in the sense that before you got into medical school, like you were saying, you were living your best life and like, you kind of got like a, a little bit of a taste of a break, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Like you had undergrad and like, um, of course that came with its own, like different kind of stresses, even though it may be totally different than it, than it was in med school but you got a break of during that period to kind of like, you know, live your best life and just um, have a sense of understanding what that looked like for you. And then go, um, as you mentioned, that stark difference going into med school to where it was like, oh, wow, like this is really taking me down into a deep place that I've never been before. Um, mm-hmm. And to begin like that that kind of light switch moment to where you were saying like, Hey, like this is not who I'm going to be anymore. And just not necessarily <laughs> forget it, but like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, instead of focusing so much on like the grades or like on um, placement or whatever, like I'm going to more so focus on myself because whenever I was in that period where I was living my best life, like that's when I was thriving and doing things that I truly loved. And like, not only that internal light that was burning inside me, but it illuminated into other aspects of my life as well. So I'm curious, what was the activity that you started to do to where you decided that, Hey, um, this is for myself and, um, only for me. So I was always cooking. Um, like literally I would. So once I graduated from college, I went to live back home, um, with my family and just kind of try and save up some money for like all of these, these classes for the MCAT and things like that. Um, I would get up probably sometime around 10, 11, knowing that work started in the afternoon and I would begin my meal prep for the family. And then I'd like go to the gym, come back from the gym and shower and all of that and go to work. And when I came home, you know, everything was done marinating and all of that. And I'd cook everybody dinner. So 
my my family really loved that time when I was I was living at home. <laughs> I bet <laughs> everyone was very well fed. <laughs> but no, when I got to med school, I think the the biggest thing for me as far as kind of self care was um, sleeping, and I would try and find like cheap ways to luxuriate and kind of just treat myself. Yeah. So back time became like a whole event. Like my bathroom was set up like a spa. Um, <laughs> I would make sure that I got consistent massages. Um, so it was really, I just really kind of honed in on just taking care of, of my body, which helped me to take care of, of my mind as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to put all these various different pieces together because I think like what you have here is like a really good recipe around like how whenever we're um, transitioning from one chapter to another or starting a new chapter or just entering into a period of a chapter where, like you said, whenever you were in the med school, pulls you into that darkness or like that depressing period and like how we can like help pull our ways out of it. Did you ever find yourself bumping against something else that you found yourself you wanted to do or you had to remove something that wasn't adding value towards your mental health? Absolutely. I mean, we only get 24 hours, right? <laughs> so if I'm adding time one place, something else has to give. So um, I think that, you know, this coming up with my schedule and things was um, a real work in progress for that first year. And I found myself having to ask for help a lot um, from various advisors and things in, yeah. in the school. I would basically go to them and be like, listen, this is the amount of time that I am willing to dedicate to my education. Let's make this <laughs> yeah. work. And they actually, me, oddly enough, they were like, yeah, you guys study too much. Like you guys aren't sleeping because you're studying too much which tells me that you're studying ineffectively. Like you need to be more efficient with how you do work. All these different resources that you're working from, it's going to make it impossible for you to get all of these things done in one day. You need to pick two and the, find the two that work best for you and run with that. And so it was really me sitting down with her and being like, okay, yeah, I used this for this exam. This was my score. I used these two for this exam. This was my score. And she's like, okay, you know, you're you're clearly a visual learner. Do this. Or, you know, I'm sitting there and being like, hey, you do not learn when people speak to you. Class is a waste of time. Do not go. You know? Yeah. And which I kind of already learned in college. Like I knew, I knew I, I don't learn from class. I will do better if I simply don't go and learn it elsewhere. Um, but really just sitting down with different advisors and as far as academia, mental health, all of the above and bringing it together, I was able to come up with a schedule that, that worked out because something was gonna have to give for me to sit in the tub for an hour. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I appreciate that wholeheartedly because I, I literally do the same thing I I really like bath time like it's something about some bath bombs some bubble bath um, add some Epsom salt maybe some oils in that thing make it really hot oh my goodness it's, it's something about that but like you know I really appreciate that and like um, I'm curious around like how you went about like identifying like these resources or specialists, if you will, like 
what was it about them that you, uh, when you identified them that made you realize this is the person that I need to talk to about this? In, I think in medical school, it was much easier because they really, like you come in for orientation and they present these people to you and people just don't utilize them. Mm. So they were so happy, you know, when I went to the office, they're like, oh, thank God somebody's going to actually listen to me. <laughs> um, so it was easy then. As I got to residency and things, there was no particular advisor. So you have to, you know, kind of find people how you would in, in the real world, like outside of academia. Right. Um, and that that's the part that requires research. So as far as going to... Um, other physicians kind of now, really the people who helped me develop this schedule were the people who were given to me at, in med school. And, um, you know, either you vibe with them or you didn't. I just was very lucky, lucky that I had people that I, that I vibed with who understood me. In residency, I think one of the things that was very important for me was finding a physician that I actually looked up to. Yeah. At my first program, that was my associate program director, Dr. Bussey. Um, and he he just thoroughly encompassed the the physician that I that I want to be. And so if I had questions about things, I just go talk to him. Um, as far as mental health, like outside of um, of of work, that I had to just research on my own. I just went ahead and got a therapist before I was screaming for help because I just think it's important to have somebody to talk to about these things yeah. that is you know, impartial. So that took research and finding somebody and even harder finding somebody who could work around my time schedule because at that program I was doing seven to seven. And seven is when your shift ends and sign out happens. So you actually don't get off until about 730, 745. Yeah. Um, so I had to find a therapist that I could that I could talk to at 8 p.m. And I was lucky to, you know, do research and find that. But really, you know, in academia, these people were given to me outside of academia. I had to really search for them. And that does take time and effort. That makes a lot of sense. And I. I really appreciate just the intentionality that you've um, been able to place inside of it. You know, I recognize that like that you when you were beginning this particular journey, like you realize like, hey, um, this is kind of the schedule that I have to work with. This is what I need to do to like find this particular person. I, I think that there's a very important lesson in there. We have to be able to recognize like what is our are stipulations, if you will, like, what are the things that like, we have within our life going on that someone has to be able to work around or be able to respect, because otherwise, it's going to be a very difficult journey. Because if we're trying to find like a therapist or trying to find like a mentor, or anything of that nature, it has to be someone who can one recognize like the things that we're going through or been through the spaces that we've been through, like you were saying when it came to work and looking at that aspect of saying, you're somebody that I look up to. You're like a mentor of mine, if you will. I want to be able to learn from you around how to best navigate this whole work thing. And then once you get out of mm -hmm. that space, um, finding somebody who can fit within whatever schedule that you have to have. 
So I really think that that's very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. One thing I did learn, though, and I, I do have to say, is even despite despite this regimen, I think that it's important to extend grace to yourself. Mm. Um, because one thing that I did find myself also getting upset with when I was working on my schedules is when I didn't accomplish everything that was on my list within the time frame that I had given myself, I would get frustrated. No, that's that's very important. I understand, like, definitely have to extend yourself some grace when it comes to just, like, any kind of schedule that you fit. Because it's not always going to be perfect, right? Like, you, there's, you, we can plan a perfect picnic, but we can't predict the weather. That's what Andre 3000 used to say. And... <laughs> <laughs> On to this last question. I'm really curious as far as like this one. Where is a place you would like to visit in the next year? Oh, gosh, there's so many. I actually have a list on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Which one is prob most pressing to me? So in the next year, I really, really would like to go to either New Zealand or Ghana. Very specific, I know. <laughs> very specific in two totally different parts of the world so i'm curious on like yeah. why those two places and like so new zealand's been on my list for like ever everybody that i know who has gone there has said it's one of the most beautiful places they've they've been just because their landscapes have both you know the greenery of like some kind of forest land but then also they have um the beaches and it, it kind of gives tropical vibes as well yeah. and like all that so definitely want to see it and then for ghana i met a few people from ghana in in med school and they were very big on they were like you know black folks need to come home um and how they have like all of these movements to try and get um you know black people to africa and specifically to ghana and ghana's kind of become one of those spots where people from the U.S. go and try and get a taste of Africa and 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 turn up, um, and so I I really I really want to experience that. Yeah, well, I really appreciate your you taking out the time to speak with me today. If you don't mind, I have three just lightning questions that I like to go through with you, and then uh, I'll let you get on to the rest of your day. How's that sound? Sure. All right. So the first one question is, do you prefer texting, talking or video chats? Uh, so contingent on the person, <laughs> I'll say texting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, who or what inspires you and why? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I feel like most people's answer is, is my mom, because she's the single dopest human being that I know on the face of this earth. She's the kindest, most generous person that I know. She is so she's the the woman that I, I hope to be even half of, um, you know, when I grow up. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And then lastly, on a scale from one to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? 10. It will <laughs> go to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. Well, thank you once again. I really appreciate you being on the show and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, man. It was good talking with you. This has been another episode.
episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.